little history on this place. William Durant, the founder of General Motors, this was his ranch. Okay. They called it the South Prince Ranch. Okay. And then in the early 30s, GM got in financial trouble. And he sold this ranch to the Purple Game mob, Detroit mob, sometime in the late 30s or 40s. Where the lodge is, they had a big stable, big barn with indoor arenas. They had swimming pools. And they guarded this with machine guns. This is where the mobsters brought all their family to vacation, ride their horses and, and hang out. We have pictures at the clubhouse where the FBI come in and dug around looking for Hoffa. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Welcome to the Fire Pit with Matt Janella. Welcome back to the Fire Pit. Today is special because it's the first time we're recording the Fire Pit podcast sitting around an actual fire pit, which is at Forest Dunes in Roscommon, Michigan. That first voice you heard, given a brief history of the land, is Lou Thompson, the current owner of Forest Dunes, which is, of course, about three hours north of Detroit and a little over an hour east of Traverse City. The story we tell today is how and why Lou Thompson bought Forest Dunes, and then how he has made this remote location a legitimate destination. Heck, even his wife has been known to ask him, what does a trucker from Arkansas know about managing golf? Well, he knows enough to have a record-breaking 337 golfers on the day we taped this podcast. We sat around the pit with Thompson, who's 62, Josh Thompson, Lou's son and business partner, and there was an extended group of family and friends who listened in. We start in 1999. Shortly after parting ways with Jay Morish, Tom Weisskopf built the original 19 holes at Forest Dunes, which sits in the northern middle of the Michigan Mitten and neighbors the Huron National Forest. I spoke to Weisskopf to get his reflections on this project. It was initially a private exclusive experience. And maybe that's what uh, the downfall was. You know, there wasn't enough transition into that area from the standpoint of a uh, need to play golf. Um, but it a tremendous piece of property, Matt. You're, you're, I've, I've said this forever. You're only as good as your piece of property and the ownership commitment behind that. Shortly after the course was completed, the original owners defaulted on the loans and the course was dormant. Not long after that, the Detroit Carpenters Pension Fund took ownership of the course and they reopened it in 2002. They added a clubhouse in 2004, but there was no lodging. Some came to play, no one ever stayed. The maintenance crew told me that back in the mid-2000s, on a busy day, they had 20 on the tee sheet. I found the course in 2010 while writing a story for Golf Digest on the best of Michigan golf. Forest Dunes was impossible to find. I ended up on dirt roads, and I'm not sure I took a wrong turn. But by the time we reached the 14th green, my friends and I had our phones out, and we were trying to see if we could play it again. Forest Dunes defined hidden gem. Here's more from Weisskopf. It had all the things that I wanted to absolutely have done if I could do it and was allowed to do it. And consequently, you know, people uh, really enjoy it. I get a lot of comments comments uh 
and compliments from that particular uh, golf course. So that makes me happy. That's all I'm looking for. I had enough controversy as a player, Matt, so I don't need any more. <laughs> so just to recap, Forest Dunes is 1,320 acres neighboring the Huron National Forest, only minutes from what they call the holy waters of the Osaba River, which offers world-class fishing. And as for the golf, Weisskopf told me it's one of the best public courses in his 73-course portfolio. And yet, as it related to the original business model, it struggled. I guess I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it was still struggling. But before we get to the success it's having now, you need to hear about the beginning of Lou Thompson & Son Trucking from Lou Thompson, who in 1983 started hauling turkeys for butterball out of an office in Huntsville, Arkansas, that Thompson described as a phone booth. 30-some years ago, bought one truck. We had a small turkey company in Huntsville, Arkansas, and went to hauling uh, product form. They kind of tucked me under their wing, locked me, and it just kind of grew from there. And now, how many trucks do you have? Well, we've got a little over 200. We run uh, 14 million miles, and that's 14 million miles on two-lane roads because we haul a lot of short stuff. Um, we move somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 loads a week. Thompson will tell you he worked seven days a week, almost every day of the year. He's a smoker, and a life on the road means you're ordering from the menus with a lot of pages and even more calories. Uh, when I was in my mid-40s, had a real bad heart attack. And the doctor told me, um, I was going to have to quit working as much as I was, and I needed to start exercising and doing other things uh, besides working. And there wasn't a whole lot of options where I lived. Uh, and I never played, like I said, I never even had a golf club. And every time I turned around, I was a little embarrassed because uh, some people I did business with would always call and say, hey, would you go on a golf trip with us? How about let's go play golf? Well. I can't, you know, uh, don't know how, for one. I've never played, so uh, after I had the heart attack, I thought, well, this is the time for me to take up golf. And so I'm like everyone else. I got the golf bug. So uh, every evening after work, um, after about a month, we didn't have to mow the yard because there was no grass. You know, I tore all the grass up in the yard chipping. <laughs> In 2010, Thompson was offered an opportunity to buy into the Bridges, a struggling golf development in Montrose, Colorado. You know, I really thought it was a great deal at the time because, you know, I bought it for 10 cents on the dollar. Uh, you know, it was a good deal, but it wasn't a great deal. It's really tough to make a golf course work, especially a standalone golf course. Uh, I didn't know that when I bought it. Uh, but uh, the good thing about it, it had a lot of real estate with it and a lot of lots, and that's a good play. The golf wasn't, but the real estate was. The following year, Thompson gets another opportunity to buy more golf. How I got to find out about this place, the guy that was running Bridges uh, was a guy by the name of Rocky Popacek, and when I bought it, uh, he left. And he worked for Troon Golf, and they transferred him here to Four students. And he became the GM at Four students. And uh, then in 2011, he calls me one day 
and asked me how things are going in Colorado, and I said, it's okay, you know. And said, would you be interested in another golf course? And uh, I said, well, how good is it? Is it really good? And he said, well, in my opinion, you know, Troon manages 200 golf courses. It's probably, you know, if it's not the best, it's in the top five of anything that Troon's got. Weisskopf again on the canvas he had to work with. You know, it's an exceptional piece of property. It's a combination of rolly, sandy dunes, which is entirely mostly on the back nine itself. And then the front nine has some water, natural water ponds, wetlands, and it meanders through the, the uh, pines and uh, the deciduous uh, maples, oaks, that kind of thing. So it's a striking contrast, especially in the fall. Back to Thompson's call with Papacek. He said, I think it's something, if you're interested, you need to come and look at it. Uh, and I said, well, what do they want for it? And he said, well, I don't know. But uh, there's federal agents here. You know, they're cleaning out file cabinets. You know, there's a lot of problems here. Uh, and uh, uh, it's owned by a pension fund. Uh, they're not happy with it. They want out. Uh, it's, and it says it's not doing any good at all. It's you know just no play. Uh, he didn't tell me how much he was losing. He just said it wasn't doing good. As of late last year, the Detroit Carpenters Pension Fund has been investigated for what the Detroit Free Press referred to as $100 million of, quote, risky investments and real estate deals across Michigan and as far away as Hawaii. Now back to Lou Thompson in 2011. We're still on the phone with Papacek. Uh, he said the asset manager told me this week they're going to sell it this week. And so he said, you really, if you've got any interest, you need to come now. Because he said, I think they're serious about selling it. Thompson was interested, but definitely skeptical. I'd never heard of four students. You know, I'd never been to Michigan. I tried to find some stuff on it, couldn't find anything on it. Um, I was kind of bored, ready to get out of the house. So I thought, well, I'll just catch me a flight and go look at it. Forest Dunes is on the scale of Sand Hills, Nebraska, in terms of remote. Probably best to arrive and depart by day. Stopped three times between Traverse City and Forest Dunes and called him and said, you know, Rocky, I'm lost or something because, you know, you're telling me this is a, some high-powered elite golf course. You know, and I said, I ain't seen shit out of here. <laughs> I called about a mall before I got to the drive and said, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not in the right place. Oh yeah, you keep coming, keep coming. You'll see a, a sign that says turn left. And so anyway, when I pulled through the guard shack, you know, the guard shack kind of impressed me. You know, I thought, well, you know, this is a pretty nice entrance here. So maybe there's something in here. Then I drove around and got to the clubhouse You've got to understand this is in 11 and everything's pretty much new. And I mean, uh, there was about probably 20 cars in the parking lot, 19 of them was employees' cars. <laughs> you know, because there was two people here that day playing golf. This was shortly after I'd been on property. The course had a reputation for being in immaculate condition, which isn't hard to do when there's no play. You know, I parked and walked in and Rocky met me and 
you know, and I was kind of overwhelmed at the clubhouse, and then especially when I come to the back windows and looked out and seen the sand, I wasn't expecting. Uh, that was the biggest surprise to me to see all the natural sand. You know, I didn't even know Michigan had sand, you know, and natural sand at that. Uh, and I told Rocky, you know, uh, take me a tour of the golf course. He said, well, I'm going to tour you the whole thing. That's what I mean, the whole thing. He said, well, we got 350 lots here. There's five houses. There's, and I, whoa, 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 you know, Rocky, I thought you just had a golf course up here. Oh, no, they want to sell everything. Thompson knew right away he didn't truck enough turkeys to buy forest dunes. Didn't even play golf, just rode around, spent about three hours, had lunch, took a few pictures, drove back to Traverse City, and caught a plane home. And, you know, I knew when I got here and he went to tell me, well, they want to sell all the five houses. They want to sell everything uh, that uh, I didn't have enough, you know, powder uh, for this deal. So, you know, I just kind of walked away thinking it's over. The company is Lou Thompson and Son Trucking. The son is Josh Thompson. Next morning, uh, went to work. I know I went in my son's office and he said, how'd the deal go? And I said, well, it's, you know, pretty fascinating place. But I said, you know, uh, I thought I was going to get something like I got at the Bridges, you know, a two or three million dollar deal. and. I went to tell him, you know, there's five homes up here, there's 350 lots, there's, you know, world-class golf course and this phenomenal clubhouse and 1,320 acres. I said, this is out of my, you know, powder range. So, you know, it's pretty much over. Josh Thompson, who's now the president, started with the company in his early 20s. Starts telling me, you know, that there's, there's five homes and 300 lots and, you know, 1,320 acres. And I said, you know, there's just no way you can, I mean, you're not even going to come close. You're wasting your time. You know, and he said, well, you never know what, what's under a rock until you turn it over. About 10.30 or 11 that morning uh, that I got home, uh, I got a call from an asset manager for the pension fund. And uh, he told me who he was and said, hey, I just got off the phone with Rocky. Rocky told me, you know, uh, you, you was there, come looked at it yesterday, and uh, you was very impressed with the place. And he said, you know, we're not in the golf course business, and we've tried to run it for a few years. We don't know what we're doing. It's not working for us. We want out. And, uh, you know, he said, do you really like the property? And I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. But I, I said, I can tell you right now, I had no idea what it was when I went up there or I wouldn't went up there because uh, it's not something that I'm going to be able to buy. And he said, uh, here's what I'd like to know. I said, you know, I said, what's that? And he said, what would you pay me today for the property and take over tomorrow? And I said, you pay you today and take over tomorrow? He said, yeah. And I said, well, I don't know. I'd have to give that some thought. And uh, he said, well, think about that and I'll call you back. And so I hung up and that's when I walked back in Josh's office and said, hey, you ain't gonna believe this, but that pension fund manager called and you know, I'm gonna make him a damn offer, you know. But before he could make that offer, Lou went looking for a little backup. And I had a friend who was in the banking business and I had a, at the time a couple million dollars and so I called Sam and asked him, I said, hey, I went and looked at a piece of property, you know, um, 
No way not going to get it bought, but I was going to throw him a damn lowball offer and see. He said, is it good? And I said, oh, yeah. I said, you got a couple extra million? He said, oh, yeah, just to make him an offer. About 12.30, Anthony calls me back and says, hey, Mr. Thompson. He said, you know, uh, have you thought about it? And, you know, I said, yeah. I said, I'll give you $4 million cash today and take over tomorrow. Boy, it pissed him off. You know, and I mean, he started kind of chewing my ass out. You know, we ain't fucking taking, you know, $4 million. I mean, we got $55 million invested, you know. Did you not look? Yeah, I mean, hey, I said, wait a minute. You know, don't be chewing my ass out. You know, you call me and ask me what I'd give you for the property. And I told you then I didn't have the powder. And I said, I got $4 million today. That's all I got. If that ain't good enough, you know, forget it. I don't care. I go back in Josh's office. I say, well, I'll piss that old boy off. Good, you know? <laughs> but and Josh, that's funny. He said, but dad, I keep telling you, you're wasting your time, you know, going, thinking you're going to steal this stuff for nothing. You know, if it's from the pictures I know, you wasn't going to buy it anyway. So, you know, go back to work and leave it alone. Let's get back to trucking now. Before <laughs> we know, we can make some money. <laughs> About 30 minutes later, he calls me back from the pitching front. And he said, hey, you know, Mr. Thompson, he said, you know, um, we really need to sell that property. And you like the property, and you're a, a candidate to buy the property. And he said, you know, we would like to have a conference call with some of the asset managers and other people and see if there's some way we can work something out. And he said, you know, would you be open to a conference call with some different people? You know, it's okay. So I give him an email. And about 30 minutes later, he sends me this link, you know, along with, what were they, nine or 10 other names on it? Yeah. There wasn't a name on there I could pronounce or say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, no, no. And, Nobody uh, from Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, we're a little country. And so then I go back in Josh's office. And say, hey, son, guess what? On a conference call in 30 minutes to an hour, you know, and, you know, you got to come in my office at 2.30. At I got this call, you know, with the with some asset managers. And they, they, he's back to deal. I ain't, yeah, I ain't got time. You know, I'm working, you know, whatever. And then about five minutes for the call, Josh comes in my office, you know. So we've got the speakerphone on and we dial in. You know, of course, ding, we introduced ourselves, and then there's all this dinging, you know, everyone's introducing themselves, just ding, 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 you know, and we're sitting there, and, and this Anthony keeps asking, hey, Tony's at you? No. And finally, after, this is so-and-so, and after about the seventh or eighth guy comes on uh, the phone, he said, Tony's at you? And he said, no, no. He said, Tony said, start without him. He'll, he'll join you here in a few minutes. Anyway, everyone's on the call. We're sitting there and the asset manager, he's telling everyone, hey, Mr. Thompson's been to the property. He's looked at it. He really likes it. You know, uh, we want to sell it. We want out of it. Uh, he's threw some low ass offer at us at $4 million that we can't consider. But since he likes it, 
I thought we'd feel, I'll get together. We might come up with some way we could work out something. And he said, you know, hey, uh, what about, would you give us $4 million for half interest in it? And we'd be silent partners. And uh, you just go run it, take care of it. And we'd be, you know, silent partners and give us $4 million. That's well, that ain't going to work. Uh, you know, first of all, I don't want to pay $8 million for it. Second, I already got one partner to buy it anyway and don't want, you know, another bunch of partners. So that's not going to happen. You know, and he said, well, what about, you know, you give us $8 million and pays $4 million down and we'll finance the $4 million. Work out any kind of terms you want, you know. So no, that's not going to work either because, you know, it, you know, that's just not going to work. And about that time, ding, you know, the phone goes ding again. And he said, Tony's at you. Yeah. He said, where the hell are you at that golf course? You know, and he said, well, you know, Mr. Thompson, you know, he's telling this Tony, well, Mr. Thompson come in yesterday, looked at it, loved it, you know, but he threw some little $4 million offer on us, you know, that we can't even look at, <clears throat> you know, and, uh, and he said, hey, Anthony, what the fuck's today? He said, well, it's Thursday. You remember what I told you Monday? I don't give a fuck who you sell it to or what you sell it for. I want the son bitch fucking sold by Friday and click. And my mouth hit the floor. I'm just sitting there going, that didn't just happen. I mean, it's quiet. I mean, it, no one's saying a word, you know. You know, we're just sitting there and I'm kind of stunned. And then Anthony said, you know, Lou, would you consider seven million today? And I said, I think I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> and he said, uh, we'll, um, don't think we can work out anything, but uh, we'll get off here and we'll talk and we'll get back with you later today. He called me back at four o'clock and told me to wire the money in the morning at nine o'clock and put it in an escrow and to take over the next day. And that's what we did. Just how good was this deal? He said they had $55 million in the project. You know, did he or did he not? I don't know. Don't care. What exactly did Thompson get for his $4 million? Well, I got 1,320 acres. Uh, they was the five homes that they'd built out here. I got the homes, I got the clubhouse, I got the maintenance, I got all the equipment, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and really, you know, I knew it was a good buy on the property. What I did know that I had to come back and tell my wife a couple of days later is she asked, how's it doing? I said, well, you know, it's uh, October and it's lost $1.2 million this year. <laughs> That was a little tough for her, you know, and, you know, one of the things she told me is, well, I know the land's worth that, but, you know, what makes you think you're a trucker? You can go to Michigan, where you've never been, and take over a golf operation and make it work when you've got professionals up there that's losing $1.2 million running it. And I said, well, yeah, but they don't realize what they got. And they're trying to run it as a private club. And uh, I think if it's open up to the public and I offer more things, you know, that 
I'm going to get more than 20 rounds a day because people does not realize it's a hidden gem how good it is. Under new ownership, Lou Thompson dove in and started trying to figure out how to fix the issues. People started coming to force Dents to play golf. Everybody loved the golf, but they'd pull up in the parking lot, get their clubs, throw it on a cart, go play around to golf. And then they'd grab their bag and they'd run to their car. Uh, never come in the pro shop, never come into the lodge. You know, so, you know, I'm going and asking them, what's going on here? You know, so I'm asking everybody, well, we're going on to treetops or we're going on to Bourne, you know. Uh, we're playing you on our way up, you know, and we're, we're getting out of here before it gets dark. So the first thing he did was build some lodging. That was my first big mistake because I built a 22-room lodge and uh, we got it all architect and got it built to open the following year. But uh, whenever we opened, it was booked up. You know, we come up here, my wife and I come up here one time, we had to go stay at treetops and no place to stay. Which starts a run of adding lodging. Each year he'd add more villas, and each year he did more rounds and more business in both the restaurant and the pro shop. Which brings us to 2015. That's when I went and decided, well, need to build another golf course. And uh, called around several architects and uh, Tom Doak, because he lived at Traverse City, he was my first candidate for the job. And in 15, nobody was doing nothing. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, well, I'll come see you in six months and, you know, we could start one in three years. You know, you call them, you know, 45 minutes later, they're sitting in your parking lot, you know, wanting to give you a quote. Tom Doak gave Lou Thompson a lot more than a quote. He gave him a concept he had been thinking about for 20 years, a reversible routing, 18 greens that could be played in multiple directions. He needed the right land, the right owner, and the right timing. At Forest Dunes, he had all of the above, and they called it the loop. So, you know, once he presented that deal to me, you know, I'm thinking, hey, instead of getting to stay one night, I'm thinking three nights now. You know, I've got three golf courses, and I'm getting two for the price of one, and maybe that's an extra night here. And uh, and it, and that's what it ended up being. And. Uh, so we started building it in 15 and finished it into 16, uh, opened it in 17, and that was good. Uh, people started coming, staying two and three days, but uh, then I realized I got to have just a little more uh, for people. And uh, in 18, I built the putting course. I went to Pinehurst. And I'd been to Bandon Dunes, and I loved their par three. But when I went to Pinehurst and played their par three, I realized with my grandkids uh, and how many older people was playing it and how they enjoyed it, that, you know, I got to have a short course. In addition to playing the preserve and cradle, Lou Thompson has been following the success of Winter Park 9 in Florida a renovation project that launched the budding partnership of Keith Reb and Riley Johns. Reb has spent most of his time working for Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw. Johns has worked for Corr and Crenshaw, Jim Rubina, Rod Whitman, and Tom Doak, 
which included scouting the land that eventually became the loop. Now we're going back to late April of 2019. Meet Riley Johns. It was a uh, cold call out of the blue, basically. Uh, Keith and I just happened to be together. Uh, we were looking at a project in San Francisco and we were on the road about 10, 15 minutes uh, away from the airport. And we get this call from, uh, from Lou out of the blue. And he says, boys, I want to build a short course and I think you're the ones to do it. <laughs> and we both look at each other like, is this for real? <laughs> I asked Keith Reb if Lou provided some direction. His first thing on his list was, I want a place that I can play with my grandkids. And, and, and we're just like, well, that's all you, that's all you needed to say. You know, uh, a lot of people is not fortunate enough to get to spend a lot of time with their grandkids. And uh, I get to spend a lot of time with mine and I'm fortunate enough that they tuck up golf. And we get to spend a lot of time together just because they're getting to do what they want to do, but I'm getting to do what I want to do, spend time with them. And it's something I enjoy. Uh, so, you know, it's a big deal for me. I mean, at my age, I know Jace is 13 now. You know, I'm hoping that this will last another three or four years, but once the girls come in play, you know, Papa probably gonna be history. Reb and Johns knew this course needed to be special, and it was pretty clear from the start as to why. We both got out on site, uh, I forget exactly when it was, sometime in May, and we're having a sit down with Lou, and, and, he, and he looks at both of us, <laughs> and he goes, Here's how this deal's gonna work. If it's good, I'm gonna take all the damn credit. If it's bad, I'm gonna throw your ass under the bus. <laughs> and he says, deal? <laughs> we're like, deal. <laughs> Reb was well aware of the situation they were getting themselves into. You got Tom's, Tom Weisskopf's course, you got Tom Doak's course, and then you got our little course stuck in the middle of that. And, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's pressure to, to do something something great there because there's been great courses built right there and you can't can't mess up and you know so yeah he did put pressure on us you know but but he gave us everything that we needed and 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 let us do our thing and and it was a it was a fun and and refreshing project to be on and be part of on june 19th there was a soft opening for reb and john's 10 hole par 3 course none longer than 150 yards takes less than an hour to play, starts and finishes in front of the pavilion, the best hang zone on property. This was a one-day sneak peek for members, staff, and some media. I played in a match against Thompson's two grandsons, Jace, who's 13, and Jagger, who's nine. Jag? Jag, what you play for? What's the semester? How much? 50 bucks a hole? <laughs> Are you nervous? A little bit. I am too, a little bit. I better get another drink. We can have everyone's attention, please. We're about to get started. On behalf of Forest Dunes, we'd like to welcome you all here to our sneak peek opening of the to-be-named short course here at Forest Dunes. Uh, Keith Reb and Riley Johns were the architects and visionaries behind this project. We are going to kick it off with a match featuring the grandsons of Lou Thompson, our owner. Yeah. Yeah. Jace and Jagger Thompson versus Matt Janella. Uh, the Thompson Ooh. boys will be scrambling. <laughs> 
Watch this. Watch this. I was nervous for them. I mean, they both get on a tee box, you know, in front of a big crowd with cameras, and both of them stiff the green. You know, how good was that? I mean, I couldn't feel better as a papa. This is the first taping of the fire pit at an actual fire pit. At the end of every podcast, we ask every guest to tell what is their favorite fire pit and why. Josh, do you have a favorite fire pit? I, I love this one. <laughs> it's hard, hard to beat this. Sometimes you, know? you just got to simplify. Yeah, you do, yeah. Lou? Well, you know, I was up here, you know, sitting around here with the family and, you know, around the fire pit. I mean, people back home in July and August when I'm up here and I'm sitting around a fire pit and they feel like they're baking in an oven. Yeah, they think I've lost my mind, you know, but I, I don't know. It was either last year or the year before, we was up here on the 4th of July weekend and got up and it was 34 to 5 degrees in the morning. Uh, so there's just nothing more special than being in northern Michigan in the summertime. I mean, we're all enjoying the fire. <laughs> you know, it feels good. And, uh, you know, we're into June. Uh, it's just, it's pretty special. Are you looking for good value on great golf apparel? As a listener to this podcast, my friends John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham at Link Soul in Oceanside, California, are offering you a 25% discount on all future orders of what I wear all day, every day, on and off the course. Whenever you go to linksoul.com, just use promo code MattyG25, M-A-T-T-Y-G-25. Thank you for listening to The Fire Pit. It's produced by Alex Upegi. It's edited by Rex Lint. The theme song is by Joe Horowitz. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, and we might track you down and send you one of our new Imperial Row Pads. Got a question, comment, or a story for us to track down? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Janella or on Instagram at Matt underscore Janella. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The Fire Pit on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to a story like this one. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is where we post portions of our podcast and add some visual surprises.